Well, a big hello to everybody, and I want to welcome you to On The Mark Sports Talk with your host, Mark, with the C, of course. This is our 143rd consecutive show in, in consecutive weeks. That's 143. Truly amazing feat. And uh, we have an amazing panel that uh, visits us most of the time. And they're on now. We have some special guests. Uh on our panel today, uh, let's. How is everybody feeling today? How are we doing? Good, good. How are you? Fine. And I must say, kind of horror to that number, by the way. That's right. How are you, Mark? Yeah. Great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine, as 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 usual. I just got a text from Jim. He says his daughter burned her hand. Did you get that, Debbie? He's taking care of the uh, little oh, burn. Little burn. But okay. okay, so uh, as soon as our special guest shows up, we'll we'll, we'll bring him in and uh, we'll talk a little bowling, uh, and we'll get to that when we see him. Okay, another little special note: while we do have the time, March second, write that down on your calendars that we are going to have another special guest. Uh, his name is Ira Kaufman. Ira Kaufman is known as a sports guru. And what he does, besides uh, having his own radio show in, in Florida, South Florida, in which five stations pick up the, the show and broadcast it out, he, like I say, he's a sports guru. He's, he's like an expert in, in, in various sports. Plus, he has a very interesting... Um, facet to his personality he goes to live all the different stadiums in football in baseball in basketball he goes he goes from city to city the city to city all year round he's a lawyer by trade i think he's 50 years old but he i guess he's a successful lawyer because he could go all over the place the time to do that. yeah but Mark, what's his name i think ira, I... I said ira kaufman you can look you can no. google him uh, and see his face and see part of his shows his shows are on uh, on um, the computer also uh, mondays mondays how do you know him mark uh, someone uh, recommended him to me I gave him a call. He's very anxious to meet you people. So we decided to do it after Super Bowl, a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl, and uh, March 2nd will be the day. Uh, he's gone to the Super Bowl. He went to all the playoff games. Uh, he, he goes. He just gets – it's like he goes to one game, and then the game is over, hops on a plane, and goes to another game. Uh, I'm sure that's very interesting to talk about. So he's going to be on, and we'll, we'll announce it. We'll get, we'll advertise it. March second, Ira Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N. Okay. Uh, while we're still waiting for Jim, um, why don't we go to our usual uh, uh, stories? Uh, Gerald, you have a highlight report for us today? Yes, I do. Okay, go. By the way, uh, you're sponsored by diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, highlighting the MLB 1989 season. Oh, 89. Okay. These are what I believe to be the salient facts about the 1989 MLB season. For the awards and leaders, I will name the National League player followed by the American League player. Key awards MVP Kevin Mitchell and Robin Yount. 
Rookie of the Year, Jerome Walton and Greg Olson, Cy Young, Mark Davis, and Brett Saberhagen. Key leaders, batting average, Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett. Home runs, Kevin Mitchell and Fred McGriff. RBIs, Kevin Mitchell and Ruben Sierra. Oh, yeah. ERA, Scott Geraltz and Brett Sagerhaven. Seattle Mariners rookie sensation Kenny, Ken Griffey Jr. debuted at age 19. His father was still with the Reds, making them the first father and son duo to play in the major league simultaneously. Nolan Ryan set the all-time career record by recording his 5,000th strikeout. What a feat. Yes. Two modern-day baseball classic hit, uh, hits hit the big screen as Field of Dreams and Major League. We can never forget, of course, Field of Dreams. Howard Johnson again joined the 30-30 club, 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases in a season. He became only the third two-time member of this club, joining Willie Mays and Barry Bonds. On June 27th, Frank Robinson's Baltimore Orioles went up against Cito Gaston's Toronto Blue Jays, marking the first time in MLB history that two black managers faced off in a game. On 10-1, Tony Gwynn and Kirby Puckett, this is amazing, clinched the batting title after trailing only one day before. The 1989 World Series Series pitted the Oakland Athletics playing the San Francisco Giants. The series has been referred to, and this this would hit home with Howie. The series has been referred to the Bay Bridge Series, the BART Series, and the Earthquake Series, Loma, Prietra earthquake. That earthquake incidentally had, on the Richter scale was 6.9, 3,000 people died. Oh, the great boy. earthquake of 1906 in San Francisco was 8.0 on the Richter scale. So it was a pretty powerful earthquake. On October 17th was the earthquake that killed 3,000 people. The World Series resumed at Candlestick Park on 10:27, 10 days uh, oh. Ten days later, composite statistics for the World Series can help to explain why Oakland was so dominant. This is amazing. Oakland batted 301 and the Giants batted 209. Wow. Oakland's ERA was 3.50 and the Giants was 8.21. Oh, wow. That's an amazing contrast. Yeah. And that concludes my... Uh, Report on the 1989 MLB season. Okay. Thank you on that. Anyone want to comment on one of his uh, briefings? No one wants to comment? Michael oh, you does. Feel- nice numbers. Michael has his hand up. Michael, you got a hand up? What's up, Mike? Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, uh, add to Jerry's uh, report, that one of the best job, best work that we've ever seen Susan Waldman do, she was covering it for, uh, I, th- I think, FAN. And she did a yes. job, and uh, she was going, my goodness gracious, it was was really uh, Susan Waldman at her best. Just want to say that. And Gerald, we hope you're feeling better. Thank you. Thank From you. From your little procedure there. Yes. No heavy lift. Better. Every yes, day is a better right. day. Okay. Good. Thank, Good. Thanks. Good. That hernia surgery. All right, Milton. 
Okay. Do you have a song for us this, this week? Yes, Mrs. Milton, name that name that tune. The and year. Wait, Milton, you're sponsored by sponges. <laughs> they want to get their name in there. So what do you got? The, the, the year is what 19, kind of sponges? Oh, shut 1966. <laughs> a song written by Paul Simon and Bruce Woodley of the Seekers. It was a double-sided hit. This one I'm going to play went to number two on the Billboard's 100. The number one song was Paperback Rider by the Beatles. This is the song that I'm going to play for you now. We get it. Wait 20 seconds before you guess, people. If nothing gets it on. You don't hear anything, Milt. Milt, nothing. You know what it is? A double-sided hit. This is Red Rubber Ball. By we hear it. The circle. And what was the other side? They had a double. It went to number fourteen. The other sided hit. Is turn down day. You right. got it. Exactly. And the original Columbia sleeve the record the came in. Record. The original Columbia sleeve that the 45 came in is worth a, a substantial amount of money. I don't have the original Columbia one. You know, I play these songs and whatever. But I had the original Columbia uh album, had the album, right? Now the 45 sleeve. I, I, I had I bought the album in one of these stores in Manhattan years Triple and years and years afterwards. Paid thirty five bucks for for an album. But they I were right. That was the circle, and there's a lot of symbolism there. The red rubber ball is the sun rising in the morning. Right, sun. It's how come you didn't play it? How come we didn't hear it? Did no, you play like it? Like a red, right, right, right. Did you guys anyway, hear it? No, no. no. Try it again. I don't hear it. All right. I'll give you one other one at the same 1966. Who sang? You just tell me. Bus stop. Holly's. 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 And the elusive butterfly is the last one. Bob, Bob, Bob Lind. You got it. Those are the three that I have. Oh, wow. One All hit. right, Milton. Thanks. Hit. Next time, Scott get that. used to play that every night at five to six or ten to six on NEW. That's the right. butterfly. Right. Yeah. All right. I hear all this music trivia. Yeah. I'm going to throw in that when I was 11 years old, I saw the Beatles in concert in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Nice. Guess how much my ticket was? Six dollars. Actually, it was five. Wow. <laughs> wow. Isn't it good. It was amazing. amazing. Because yeah. when they came in 1964, they had two mm. concerts, one at Shea Stadium. Yeah. I lived in New Orleans at the time and one in New Orleans. That's and like, my mom made my sister take me. It was a beautiful thing. That's like the old ticket prices up here when you had the Fillmore East, six dollars to sit in the orchestra, three dollars for the balcony. Oh my goodness. And now people deal with Ticketmaster, which is a disaster. Monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with Taylor Swift? <laughs> yes, yes, it was awful. Awful. Okay. So that was just another bit of trivia. Thank you, Laura. Uh, Laura is a dear friend from teaching years and years uh. ago. 
Okay, so uh, let's move on. Thank you, Milton, for that. I don't understand why you, the song didn't come out. I wanted to hear the song. Let's go on to this. I'm still waiting for Jim to show up. Debbie, you're, you're going to do She's some talking, research. but she's muted. Yeah, I texted him. I'm waiting for him to answer. Uh, he okay. thanked me. for. I said, yeah, take yourself some time. Take care of your daughter, then join us in progress. Yeah. Okay, so let's right. move on to our other uh, stories. We have this day in sports, January 26th, today. Here's what happened today in sports. Today, in 1913, Jim Thorpe had to relinquish his 1912 <laughs> Olympic medals for playing two seasons of semi-pro baseball uh, before competing in the Olympics. Uh, that happened on this day in 1913. Uh, in 1921, hockey news, Toronto, uh, in Toronto, National Hockey League Center, his name was Corb Dennehy, 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 D-E-N-N-E-Y. He scored six goals in one game to lead the St. Patrick's, that was a team name, uh, they, they, were, they were housed in Toronto to a 10-3 victory over the Hamilton Tigers. Did you have the library today? Did you have the library today? The library. Do it. Mark, wasn't it the Hamilton Tiger Cats? No, the the Hamilton Tigers. This was the hockey team. In 1924, the American skater Charles Jutraw claims the first ever Winter Olympics gold medal by winning the 500-meter speed skating event in 44 seconds at the Olympics in France. I think it was called, I'm a French, C H A M O N I X. Chamo? Chamit? Chamo. 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 Game. Chamo. 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 1951. How about this for a whole Chamo. 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 class? Chamo. Hmm? Mel Ott and Jimmy Fox were elected to the Hall of Fame on this day. In 1956, Hank Greenberg and Joe Cronin, another nice class, voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. How about this one? 1960, a high school basketball player. player. His name was Danny Heater, H-E-A-T-E-R. He scores 135 points in one game. Wow. I don't know what the final score was. I don't know what happened to him afterwards, but he never made the pros, Danny Heater. And I also in 1960, on this exact day, Pete Rozelle is elected the National Football League commissioner, but he was voted on the 23rd ballot. <laughs> Almost sounds like wow. what happened a few weeks ago with the, in the, house. Of the house, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Man. yeah. All right, 1963, on this day, Major League Baseball Committee votes to expand the strike zone. Don't know what it was. I don't know how far they expanded it, but they decided to expand the strike zone in 63 on this date. Uh, In 1969, this is pretty current, what's going on right now with the Australian Open tennis tournament. Well, the first women's that were allowed to compete in, in Australia, in the Australia Open, Margaret Court. In her home country, wins the title by building by beating Billie Jean King six four six one. Okay, uh, what else happened? I got a few more. Uh, on this day in 1985, Wayne Gretzky, hockey player, scores his 50th goal in 49 games. Wow! Oh, <coughs> oh. He, he did uh, 
Did it on his birthday. In 1990, Boston Red Sox hire a woman. 1990, mind you, hire Elaine Weddington as an assistant general manager. It's the highest ranking African-American female in Major League front office. Considering the Red Sox were the last team, I think, to allow a African-American to play. Then maybe they had to do that. I don't know. In 1991, Houston Rockets guard Vernon Maxwell becomes the fifth NBA player to score 30 points in one quarter. Wow. Others? Wow. Chamberlain, David Thompson, George Gervin, and Michael Jordan. 1991, Jan Stenerud, field goal kicker, becomes the, the first place kicker. Uh, who, whose job was only place kicking to make the Hall of Fame. Of course, before that, they played different positions, right? And they, they, they doubled as a, uh, a kicker, but he was the first pure. In 1995, in 1995, uh, the NBA uh, All-Star voting, Detroit's Grand Hill becomes the first rookie to lead the NBA players in uh, all-star votes with a million two hundred thousand, uh, with a record six point six point uh, six million two fifty four uh, ballots cast, cast, and of course on this day was the anniversary of Kobe Bryant dying in that helicopter crash. I wanted to bring that up too. Mark, I see that. Uh, I see that. Who's saying Mark? I am. Jim is ready to come in. Okay. 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 Let's get him in here. We'll introduce him. Here, she, here he is. And we'll go. Jim, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Yes. We we, we started that show, and we're going to go right to you. I want to introduce right. you, and then you could take off from there. Okay? Awesome. I'm sorry. All right. So as advertised, I see our guest has joined us. <laughs> I've known Jim Hamble since he was born. His mom, who's up, who's in the screen, wave your hand, Debbie. Mm -hmm. Debbie and I worked together as phys ed teachers at IS-77 in Ridgewood, Queens, for about 30 years, right? Oh, wow. About 30 years. Jim is currently a phys ed teacher at PS-457 in the Bronx. Oh. His passion growing up was bowling in Queens and then Oceanside, Long Island. Uh, he's, he's, he is a professional bowler. Um, he'll describe himself much better than I can. So let's all meet and greet Jim Hamble. Thank you, Mark. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I'm sorry I'm late, but yeah. I had to do some bad things, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah. No, actually, that was a great introduction. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm Jim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I teach elementary, so I'm 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 like this all the time. No, so um I've known Mark, I've known you for many, many, many years. I, mother was, who was here, was a physics teacher, but that's, I say I, I took over the family business, but I actually wanted to be a lawyer first, but um, I actually wanted to bowl in college, which didn't really pan out, but the bowling side of me is that, so when I went to Oceanside, I actually uh, brought back the bowling team there because myself and another person, I was, played football, I wrestled. Didn't really work out too well, but bowling was seemed to kind of be at my alley, pun intended. But so I've, I've been bowling for over 30 years, and I recently just joined the PBA. And how do you join the PBA? Well, you can practice, but I also just 
I just sent them the, the application form, but um, no. So a lot of things I do is so, and um, I'm a physics teacher. So really, and I have two young children for one. So I really don't have time to actually go bowling myself. So I let I do a little more, a lot more advocacy work as a physics teacher, just kind of talking about teaching bowling in schools. I know as physics teachers, you would appreciate that. But for me, I've always just, honestly, I, you might know me as a pro or honestly, the biggest thing about bowling for me was really about, was about connection. And I, when, 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 and to go back a little bit, when my parents divorced, um, my mother and I did bowl on a team. And that was really kind of my father's love. My mother loved it too. And I kind of, I'm sorry, mom, I know you're here, but I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of kicked her off the team. I know, I'm sorry. I hate to say that, but I to bowl with my father and we just kind of, and we used it as a way to kind of bond. And he would always take me to those like, you know, like Thursday night men's leagues, which for me were like the Super Bowl, like the playoffs. So I'm wearing my rings too. So that's just kind of like what kept me into it. And the fact that I was pretty good too, also was just kind of great. And just, it became like, it just, I don't know, it just became like a part of me. And it just became, it was always so much more like the, the it just helped me like everything I learned in bowling. And I know this kind of sounds cliche, but everything I kind of learned about bowling, I kind of learned and kind of it, life lessons about it kind of just helped me apply to life because things like you're always as good as your last game. And I my mother would say, it. and because there'll be times where, like I said, I would bowl 300 and get a ring for that. But the next time I would bowl 180. So there'll be a lesson to learn. So, and it's just, just to, it, I always like to say it's a sport you can get really good at, but it's not something you can really master. And it's great because like I said, I, um, you're probably wondering, wait, why don't you go on the pro tour? Well, um, I don't really have the time working as a full-time teacher, but there are cool things you might see actually at local bowling alleys near you, especially in Jersey and Long uh, New York, especially in Queens. They have regionals. So like there's different, like, so they have the national tour and almost kind of like baseball has the farm system where there's different regions. So like, I don't, it's kind of like the, the pro experience. Like if you know golf, it's like a whole, it starts on a Wednesday and ends on a, a Sunday. These, you, it, it's a, it's a Friday afternoon, you go for practice sign in and then Saturday's qualifying and Friday is the match play. So that's one other great thing. And I really like just talking about bowling too, especially just in terms of sports and anything, because honestly, like I, I, in college, I'll give you a funny story. I was on a team once. And I was 20 and I had a really great team. Like these guys were amazing. And I was the only guy, not only on the team, I wasn't married. I was 20. These guys were like 60, 65. <laughs> I didn't have grandkids. So, um, and no other place other than the bowling would be something like that. So for me, it's, it's about personal accomplishments, but honestly, for me, I like bowling because just like anytime I just like it because it's something that honestly, like, and I really talk, especially in the gym, whenever I teach uh, things are just kind of like, what's the common theme or what's the common thread so for me it's about bowling and great about it but honestly like i just want to talk about bowling that that's what that's i guess me in a nutshell okay um i know some of us have questions to to ask you i know oh. danny's danny is uh our resident bowler he bowls in a league oh, awesome and uh, Danny, you have a question or two for uh, I, couple. I, I, I I missed your initial introduction. I had a phone call from my brother who lives in Argentina. I had to take it. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, a couple of questions. Um, uh, what do you bowl? 
I bowl um, currently up in Yonkers. I live in, I've, I've been all the place. I grew up in Yonkers. I grew up in Queens. So I used to bowl in, um, oh, um, what is the place on Crosby Boulevard that's not there anymore? I bowl at Home Field Bowl. What Haven Lanes? What? What Haven yeah. What Haven Lanes, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, Woodhaven Boulevard, yeah. Woodhaven Boulevard. I used to, I bowled there. All these places, unfortunately, are now closed. I bowled the yeah. Masters Bowl, Woodhaven Bowl. Currently, the one I go to frequent the most is Home Field. Don't know it. Don't know it. Well, it's in Yonkers. Um, it's a nice place. Yeah. Let me ask you, in today's world, so, so you just recently joined the PBA, right? I did, yes. Yeah. Um, what were the qualifications for it? I mean, when I was in high school, when I was considering maybe pursuing that uh, that route a little bit, uh, the basic qualifications were that, um, uh, and I'm 73 years old, I'm talking the late 60s. Mm -hmm. I had an average, um, sanction average 190 plus for two consecutive years. Yeah, that's... And, and you had to be recommended by two PBA members. I, I, honestly, now it's you have to have like a 200, it's the same thing, it's 200 now. But for two consecutive years, and really, you know, honestly, you just once you have that, and everything is kind of like automated now, so like it works. So they can leave. So from the USBC, which is the United States Bowling Congress, like all of, so like I bowl fourth sanctioned three hundreds. That basically means in a league um, or a tournament, not like just going to a, on a Saturday night. So you could join, and um, I think really pretty much it's, I think. Cause I grew up in the days of like when Saturdays I would go along with my mother, father, like there used to be Saturday afternoon bowling on ABC, which I thought was the great, the greatest thing. I just think it's a different, like, I think nowadays I, I, I can't really speak to that, but I mean, like, I think that's one of the biggest qualifications. The PBAS will just started a bunch of things. Like there's a PBA junior league mm -hmm. for junior bowlers. And um, they actually now have this thing called the PBA sport leagues. Right. Where you kind of more difficult, yeah. Diff if you want to challenge yourself, but that kind of gives you more um, another way to do it. So um, sports shot tournaments around. Oh yeah, but they, they're sports shot leagues. Yeah. That are like yes. PBA saying yeah. 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 They're not just yeah. you know. House I bowled in. There's a sports shot league. Yeah. yeah. And if you're wondering what in the world is a sports shot, well, it's hard to describe a sports shot because. Um, if you think of it this way, like if you will, if you watch a football game, you can see that there's snow on the floor and you're like, oh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be slippery. Bowling, not so much until you really start bowling and then you actually kind of see. So it's the way they put the oil and then they uh, apply it. And if you hear that's my one-year-old. So it's the way they put the oil on it in terms of, it's basically physics. Is the ball going to roll a lot? Is it going to hook a lot? Is it not going to hook a lot? And what you're seeing the pros are in, at the highest levels is that the margin of error is very small so that's what really makes a sport shot rather than when you go like on a saturday afternoon when it's it's much easier so if you throw the ball it's a lot more forgiving but the sport shots is what makes it more difficult just so everyone understands but yeah consider, consider the biggest differential between today's let's say of high level amateur bowlers and the pros saying what's the big difference the big the bigger what the biggest the, the difference the biggest event. That's a great question. I need a second. Um, Can I answer that too? Sure. Anybody. Sure. It's a problem. I have a question and an answer. I think for the for the bowlers who are on the tour, most of them are single. 
Most of them don't have kids. <laughs> when you're married and you have children, it's very hard to go on the road, especially when you're not guaranteed a paycheck. Mm-hmm. True. Makes sense. They, always show, they always show the spouse on the screen on TV. That, you know. But the top bowlers have sponsors. That's also probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. Um, I could have done that. And I just, I just, at the time, I just, you know, I decided to, like I said, I wanted to be, I wanted to go into law, but at the same time, I kind of focused more on my career, but even honestly, that the great thing about it is that there's opportunities for, as even, even when I retire, or even as I get older, like, there's a lot of different opportunities. So to are you targeting any, like, any, any local tournaments? In which, at what level? Pardon me? At what level? Because there's like, there's there's a lot. Like there's the regionals. There actually, which I think is one in Jersey in a couple months, which I usually try to get to, especially. And it's not, it's it's, it's my wife and kids. They, they're very vocal about me, where I can go, when I can go, when I'm not. Remember, they're four and one. So um, those are the ones I usually like to do. Um, there are lots of like, you know, like on Long Island, there's like Long Island associations. Right. But um, I know there's a, a U.S. and there's actually what's great about New York is that there's a lot of it's so big. There's like different like regions. So like Long Island has its own Long Island USBC, which is a little bit more. So if you're looking for something a little bit more like casual, there might be something you could check out your local bowling alley. Um, I know there's one at Harold Lanes in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's where I bowl. That's Harold. where Danny bowls, Harold. I love Harold. I, I've been, I've helped build her a few times. It's a great place. I have a, I have a couple. I want to tell you. Got a couple of things. Dave, Dave wants to ask you a question, and Larry. Yeah, yeah Dave. Dave, Dave, and Larry. Uh, first, are you one-handed or two-handed? Great question. One. Okay. Now I've been bowling for uh, sixty years or so, and uh, the equipment has changed tremendously over that time. I bowled my first three hundred at age fifty-five. That's and I bowled awesome. my fifth 300 at age 70 in, wow. in, league, in wow. leagues. Good for you. No, that's awesome. And, and, and wow. you know, when I started bowling when I was younger, my average was like in the 180s. And I guess wow. my highest average was uh, 219 for one season. Wow. Well, that, that about I, 10 years ago. I, oh, I'm always curious how it would be to bowl back then. Because, like, when I started growing up, like you said, like, the, the, honestly – the last bowling ball I got was when my daughter was born in 2021. And it's almost, I feel like like computers were like, that's almost kind of like obsolete. Like I, and I don't even use it that much. So it's relatively like brand new. Well, like you said, like, I, I, I mean, the balls are made out of rubber. They didn't have much reaction on yeah. the pins. You know, it's uh, funny. A lot of people nowadays are going back to urethane. Yeah. That's and the whole thing came out. And then uh, reactive resin. Now and there's like oh well, what's uh, the, the urethane balls carry the oil down much more than the reactive they do resin. and actually you know what I know a lot of guys who yeah they do house leaks where they do urethane which is you would think they would want to use something a little bit more aggressive but it's that's more what yeah I think that that there's a whole yeah there was actually I think like a couple of months ago or six months ago there was a whole thing about urethane and storm about on the tour. But like yeah, the they don't like, they don't like using urethane because it carries the oil down too much. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't use that. I prefer. I guess I'm kind of spoiled by reactive resin, and I know there's another one, synthetic. No, not synthetic. Um, there's been a couple of balls that have been declared illegal. Yes. yes. And also, you're not allowed to have a, a, a weight hole in the side. Yeah. Anymore. But, but 
Just as I know it, I've been trying to uh, point out to my colleagues here in the group how the game has evolved. Uh, back in 1969, I bowled in a tournament that was called the Newsday Open, which eventually became the PVA Long Island Open. Okay? I've heard of that. Uh, it had a format of uh, over a two-weekend period as, the, as a local resident. You bowled 14 games over 28 lanes. And then the top 83 people qualified for the next seven games, plus last year's winner was seeded. And then after that, the top 15 plus last year's winner would be seeded into the finals. Um, I missed the cut by 150 pence for the 14 games. It wasn't bad. No, that's not. Okay. So uh, what happened was that I did not know that um, – the layout of the oil in the lanes was uh, they were alternating every pair of lanes, long oil with short oil. So the first mm -hmm. game, I started out with 226. The next game, I bowled at 140. I bowled over the next pair, I bowled at 200. And the ball the next pair, I bowled at 150. By this time, I was out of it already. You know, it was impossible to recoup, to realize. And in those days, we can't, everybody came down with one bowling ball. Right. Johnny Patriagla, which was in my squad. Johnny Patraglia won that tournament with a 210 average. Which back the then. The today with the equipment and the challenges that are there with a 210 average wouldn't even qualify. Yeah. Uh, no, what it is is that the game has evolved to such a point to create high scoring games in order to attract the public. But you still have to be able to execute. Right. And that's that night in league, I wasn't able to execute. I had one game, I had nine nine counts. No matter what I did, I couldn't get a strike in the entire game. But did I, you I get the spam? I, I missed two of them. <laughs> uh, Larry yeah. wants to ask a question. Larry? If, uh, if you are a member of the PGA, are you mandated to bowl a certain number of practice not P, not games P, a not week? P, not PGA. PGA. PBA, you have to bowl a certain number of games a week, nothing, you don't have any no. requirements of that nature. Basically, just make sure I'm up on my dues. For me, um, just because, like I said, I bowling has become like, ingrained in me, in my life, um, I'm not really able to do the, the bowling aspect of it. So for me, I always try to do the teaching aspect of it and try to, like, Kind of like what I do now. I, I talk to other phys ed teachers and other teachers across the world about like proper bowling, you know, just like nuance bowling, um, like the nuances on how to do it. So there's really no like, but I feel like, you know, I'm able to be a PBA member and I feel like to carry the card, like I don't want to just carry the card and just say, hey, um, uh, it feels it feels more rewarding, like I said, because like, I mean, I, I, I just took my, my one and four year old and they like it. So I feel like this is a way for me to give back to also help grow the sport because there's so much nuance and it has grown so much. Like I know like of other, and if, if you know other teachers or other people with children or anything that want to ball in high school and whatnot, like there's so many, like I, I, there's so much, there's so many scholarship opportunities and there's like junior team USA. Um, there's a lot of the opportunities at like pretty much any level. So that's, like I said, there's no limit. There's no maximum. It does give me a discount if I want to do it. But like I said, that's up to my uh, my my, um, my business managers, my donors. Um, Why don't you become a member? I 
at first it was like you know like the like oh i got the car like but i mean honestly like it's <laughs> it feels cool to have it it feels it feels like a certain amount of like you know because like when i go to my tournaments you you have the amateurs who maybe just want to come but like it's same time like you wear the patch and like you're kind of like part of like a, um like this like i don't know association another word for like this community like it's like the next level so um like i've met a lot of old, like like um russ mills who's the head of the pba east region i've met a lot um even the usbc it's opened a lot of doors like i don't um talk to the, the head of the junior but uh youth programs so it's i really it's also always been a dream of mine because like i said even though i'm not necessarily bowling per se and it's i feel weird saying i'm a pba member but i'm not actively bowling a lot but at the same time, like, there's so much, like, that's the thing about there's so many, as I think that you guys can attest to that there's so much to it, that it's just, it's great to be able to say I'm a professional baller because I've always, you know, carried myself as one. Um, and if I had to, I, that, that's the path of that personally career-wise in my own bowling career, that's kind of like where I would like to start getting more into Michael, who's on the screen over here, sent us, he always sends us videos. And Michael, just shake your hand, Michael, so we see you. He sent us a um, a video this week of, I forgot, was, was, a, was a Mark Roth hitting the yeah. 710 split? Yes, it was. Right. Have you awesome. ever had a 710 split converted, uh, Jim? Not, 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 yes, but not when it really counted. How about you, Dave? I've never had one made one, but I I did see someone make one when, but he, unfortunately he had the three pin standing also. Uh, <laughs> hit, the three pin, hit, hit the ten pin and the ten pin knocked the seven pin down. Yeah, how about you, Danny? You ever hit? You ever convert? No, I never converted one. But as I told you last week, two weeks ago at Harold Lane's, I had the most amazing thing. And you tell me whether you ever heard of this situation. In a three game set, I left six, seven, ten splits. On pocket hits, <laughs> four of them yeah. in one game and three of them on consecutive frames. I've never seen anybody come across that situation. I bowled a 134 that game, but my team won the game, which is the most important part, I guess. That's important. You know? yeah. But I never bowled a 300. I've had a couple of what they call Andy Vary Papa 300s. Mm -hmm. uh, if anybody doesn't know what Andy Vary Papa 300 means, you throw at least 12 consecutive strikes over two games. One game into the other. Uh, the most I ever did was 15 strikes in a row. I did that a couple of times. Mm. You know. But, so uh, how, how, do, how do you guys, I'm talking to you three guys, Jimmy and, and Dave and, and, and Danny. I don't think anybody else is is in that category unless you, you, you're hiding your skills from me. <laughs> but how do you guys get so good other than it's continuously <laughs> bowling, bowling, bowling? Practice makes perfect. How, how did you get involved in it? You know, Jimmy, how did you get involved? Yeah, not, at all, not at all. I think it's uh, probably more mental than anything else. I break a hundred. I mean, I'm I, happy. I, I bowl three games a week. Yeah. I don't bowl during the summer in a league. Well, what do you guys do during COVID well, when everything was closed down? And it's it wasn't never, closed down for too long in bowling. No, it really wasn't. It wasn't closed down no. too long? No. Wow, that's interesting. Let people Surprise. back inside. Yeah, we had barriers in between the lanes. Same. And uh, we were required to stay in our pair during bowling leagues. Yeah. 
And if we wanted to have a service call for a drink, we had to have a waiter come over and bring it to us. Yeah, I had to roam around from one pair to the other to visit friends. Uh, we had to stay put in our place. And we had that to wear masks sense. while bowling. I saw that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gerald? I wanted to ask a question. Debbie had this in the chat. And for all three of you, uh, Jim, uh, Dave, and uh, and Danny, how many... Uh, Five, uh, how many 300 games did you have? I know, Danny, you, you said you didn't have any. And right. what, what was your highest sanctioned series? For me? Minus, minus 743. Uh, I had a 788. Wow. Out of 900. Out of 900, yeah. Wow. And, that, For and me? That, didn't, that didn't include the, my 300 game. My 300 game, I had a 771. One of my 300 games. But I would say that the, the, big, the biggest lesson games, in this yeah, game was well. Jim, Jim would appreciate this. Uh, I, my first game, I started with strike, eight pin tap, strike, eight pin tap, eight in a row, followed by 12 in a row. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. 20 strikes in a row, but I couldn't get the high series. <laughs> well, you're righty? You're righty, Dave? You're righty or lefty? I'm a righty. Danny, you're a righty, right? Righty, yeah. Jimmy, you're a righty, right? Dave, Dave, how many 300 games have you had? Five. Wow. What do you bowl, Dave? games where I had wraps. Dave, um, what do you bowl? Well, right now I'm at, eight, at one tour lanes. Every, wow. every, bowling, wow. every bowling alley I go to seems to close on me. <laughs> wow. I, I was in the Farmingdale lanes. That closed. Farmingdale closed. I was Farmingdale cl Wait. Which league in Wantor are you bowling in? Excuse me? Which league in Wanto are you bowling in? Uh, Monday night. The Monday night. Monday night business. Nice the, the the my biggest there. lesson, guys, has been I wish that I would have, I'm 73 years old now, I wish I would have today the skills that I had when I was 20 years old. But I wish also that when I was 20 years old, I would have the mental attitude that I didn't have then. Because you learn that you forget your mistakes and you, once you throw a bad ball, you got to move on and say, okay, now I'm going to try to throw a better ball and you forget the, forget yeah. so the mental attitude is so, so important. So the, the pro bowlers in the top classes today, like in any other sports like that, when they put, can put together their, their skills with their mental attitude, they are the ones that will, will prevail. Jimmy, when was your last gutter ball? <laughs> Next question. Huh? Okay. Um, Is that in your vocabulary anymore, you guys? It's gutter ball. I don't even know what that means. Other than go off, let's like, say, a 10 pin and it, go, it, it goes into the gutter. Mine let, me was like, you, let me tell you, you know, you know, in sports, you remember something. Now, I was about 14 years old. I, I hit a 233. I oh, bowled with God. friends who was not in the league. I still remember that, you know, 70 years later, uh, I still remember uh, that my bowling score highest. And it's the same thing like with any sport. You do a great yeah. feat. You remember. Of it forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Jim, what, Jim, how many 300 games have you had? And what was your highest sanctioned series? Four 300s and 826. But I was like 20. I was only 20 or 20 at the time. So I don't even honestly remember because I was I was out of my mind that night. So 
<laughs> I I kind of was there, but I was on next level. So. <laughs> the most famous gutter bowling professional, the modern professional bowling is this called the Dell Ballard ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I happened to come across it on, on YouTube today of all gutter balls from top pros. I, I, was, I was watching that live. Famous shot that he had to get like, I don't know, four or five pins on his fill ball in the 10th frame and in yeah. order to win it, win the, um, I don't know, the very large tournament, one of the triple crowns, and he threw it right in the gutter and Pete <laughs> Weber couldn't believe it that that's how he won the tournament. And, and Del Ballard did a lot of antacid commercials on television after that. <laughs> right. And and what what that taught was that if you only need on your fill ball just to throw a ball to get a few pins, don't throw your regular shot. Take a ball that can go straight down the middle. Right down the middle. Yeah. Mike, uh, Michael, question? Yeah, I have a question. Hi, welcome. Uh, how varied are the conditions of bowling alleys from one to another? Are some bowling alleys easier to bowl a higher score? Are some bowling alleys maintained better or differently? Or is everything like standard and all the bowling alleys are the same and the potential to bowl a decent score is always the same no matter where you bowl? No, that's a great question because a lot of times some lanes are natural wood, some are synthetic wood, and just, just like as, I mean, like, if you think of like different baseball parks, like just somehow like their own natural, I want to say grooves, their own natural, like, you know, their own, like, you know, it is, it, nuances. For like yeah, but Jim, how old are you, if I may ask? I am 37. I'll be 38. So theoretically speaking, you never really bowled on wooden lanes. You you really grew up on synthetic lanes. Most, I've had to some, some wood lanes, but you're, most, you're right, mostly, actually, I prefer wood. I don't really like synthetic. Well, I, I bowled much higher average on wood because I was stubborn to to uh, convert my equipment to synthetic lanes. And that really hurt my game, so. And going back to the question, and, and, and that, whether it's real wood or synthetic wood, kind of depends, like, also outside, honestly, like outside, like in the summer, lanes tend to, the oil just tends to dry up more. Mm -hmm. And it also really depends like who you're bowling with, because as we're talking about urethane, it's it's bowling balls are sponges. So they they soak up a lot of oil, depend who do you have, but who are you actually bowling with? Um, they do try to get like a lot of places more like I don't want to say chains because uh like like those places um, in like in New York City where you go like Manhattan, it's really more of like uh but the, like the you know places. Like the bowler are the ones that like, oh, like as a pro, I could go and it's like $2 a game. So those are more like chain, but those usually have like, they usually use the same lane machines. They usually use the same, like when you go to these tournaments that they are like very, and I used to oil for leagues and I actually worked at Farmingdale Lanes mm -hmm. for maybe like two months, but I used to work, uh, I used to oil some of the lanes and most of the machines are very scientific. Like yeah. they are, like the computer and the great thing about bowling is unlike other sports like you know what's happening you know what's gonna if you look it up a lot of times they will tell you what kind of oil patterns here but like a lot of things like who's gonna bowl what kind of equipment you're using um do they a lot of times there might be like a morning like an 8 you might be bowling at 8 a.m and they might re-oil but it just some places i remember farmingdale that always used to be like heavy heavy head 10 pins some places just seem to be just just have more. They just take they take on 
characteristics of their own, which is kind of hard to describe and just kind of like make scientific sense of, but most places like, especially in tournament places, tournament like in the, on the tour, they have very strict, and also the equipment you use, you actually have to, one thing about it is so like whenever I go bowling, I, I have to write down, even if I throw one ball, it has to make sure, I have to make sure that it's it's part of the, um, the ones that this, the balls that are, most of mine are a little older, so they don't really have the new issue problem. But I have to write down the force, the last four digits of, the camera's right here, the last four digits of the, the serial number of the ball. Right. I have to make sure that it's legal to be used. But, so there's just, a, like I said, and, and not to go technical, but th there's a lot of things, but there is a degree of, and honestly, it also, a lot of bowling is, um, also, like we were talking about, like it's the mental game. It's it's your experience level. Um, that's, I guess, the, the the and the basic way to say it. That there's a lot. There's a lot of variables, but it's. So when you ball go in a tournament, you have to register the balls that you're using. Yeah, you have to, and you it, it, and you also. I actually like the pros because they you get like 20 minutes before the practice. And it's eight games over different, like eight, eight different lanes. So it's literally like three, four hour tour. Um, and I didn't mean to do <laughs> like an island, but there are times when the lanes are walked, like the old of the lanes, it, there's a lot of variables. So, and it's, it's different places. There are just different lines and just different things. Or like, or I hate my, I don't, I actually don't, I don't I'd actually rather than longer oil than shorter oil, just because sure. I know the ball is just not going to hook. So I just have to be very straighter angles. But, but when it hooks a lot, like I don't really like to throw a monster hook. I just, I'm, I feel like old school, I'd say. I'm more of, I, I prefer to do, why do I need to cross so many to go? But there's, and I want to go bowling. So when you enter, when you enter a tournament, how many balls are you allowed to register for that tournament? Honestly, you could bring as many as you want. There was many. You can bring as many as you want. It's just you may not necessarily. But sometimes that actually kind of works against you because yeah. there are so much. There's so much technology. There's so many things. Um, and there's so much information. Like I love one of my favorite magazines is Bowling This Month, and it's a very technical magazine. Like if I look at a bowling ball, it will break it down. But I, you can't just. Like there are so many different bowling balls and what may work. There's some things I'm wondering, like am I, I love storm bowling balls, which are one type, but there's like other, there's, there's Brunswick, there's Columbia. I like to go with storm because I've had success with them, but it's really a science game. So, and that's great. And I like this magazine because like I can bring as many, but like I, I don't like to do as much like, and it's also like, a, um, I like doing the two. I like the coloring, the coloring the strike. My students enjoy doing that where they the score and coloring in the strikes. And that's really good for, for teaching. A uh, couple of people want to have, have their hands up. Uh, Sharon, you still there? Yeah. You were first. Sharon? I am still here. Got a question? <laughs> what happened? Now I was reading Sharon's question and said that. Yes, she is. Go ahead. Any question? Go Hi. Um, I do remember, and I do remember seeing you play the tournaments. My father used to say to me, because I used to ball on the league with my dad, and he used to have like this wicked, like curve ball. And 
Um, he used to use two balls, one for a straight ball and one for a curveball. Did you have a tendency when you did your tournaments, did you always have one particular board for a certain um, pattern or did you just use one ball? Well, I usually use that spare ball because like, like we were talking about, sometimes like in a 10 pin, I just want to throw that ball. It, it's a basic ball. I just want it to roll and just go where it goes. Um, it's hard to say, like, some balls work better for different things. Some, like you were saying, I saw in your comment where they were too oily, they're not enough oil. Some, there's not really one, there's some bowling balls that you can buy for, like, that are very high end, <laughs> that are, like, 200, 200, 200 plus dollars, that are good for long oil. But at the same time, that, and as the, another question was asking, like, as you start bowling more, do you stay with that ball? So... What balls, it, 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 you also, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of feel because like when you're bowling in the league, it, it's hard to, I, 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 you could say to me, what should I bring? And I might say, bring, bring this. It may work. It may not work. Who knows? Because there's not, I'm not saying that it's a, a frivolity because there's, it's, it's also like a, a lot of mental game. Like it's a lot of the mental game as well. So it, it's, do I even sometimes like it could be the right ball or it could be the, it, they may just not feel great in my hand for whatever reason, maybe because my thumb swells up or just because, but there's a lot that goes into like the mental game of it. So that I have to be aware of because the ball I want to use may not be working as great as I want, but maybe another one will be. So it's a lot of trial and error to some extent. Uh, Larry has a, a question. Larry. Can the, can the average professional bowler today make enough money to support a family on this alone? That's a good question. That is a great, I actually, I think there are because there is, so in bowling that there's, there's they, a lot of them, of course they do a lot of things. I see a lot of things in social media. They also have where they, they kind of like have a PBA like team. They have PBA like teams and leagues. So that is also one. A lot of them, it's a year round thing. And a lot of them like are on the staffs. So, and I definitely know that they're the prize, the prize purses are a lot more, not as much as many other sports, but there definitely are, is it's much, I, I would say yes. Um, hmm. I know there are a lot, a lot of, but I think there, there's been a, like an insurgent and of course a lot of sports have a lot of younger bowlers, um, especially two-ender bowlers. And so I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, Gerald. A couple more questions, uh, Gerald. I have a question for for uh, each of each of the uh, three great bowlers here. <laughs> um, maybe I'm using the wrong terminology. Uh, are you spot bowlers? Do you bowl looking at the pins? Do you look at the the the? I think there are markers on the lane. Arrows. How do you Arrows. go about your uh, your approach? That's a good question. Unfortunately, I just, I'm what you call an area bowler. I don't use either the dots or the arrows. I'm sort of look at a particular spot on the uh, uh, area on the probably between the uh, dots and arrows. I don't come. I wish I, wish I was a, uh, and I you know used arrows or dots, but I never I never did so. I'm a combination of everything because when I started bowling because of my low vision, I was taught by a very good bowler when I was in high school that when you line yourself up 
you look at the closest pin to you. First ball will be the head pin. You may imaginary line from the head pin to the balls of your shoulder. And you try to follow that imaginary line. That developed into looking at the head pin, aiming at a spot where you want to break the ball to break to the ball to your shoulder and try to hit that spot where you want the ball to hit to break. And that developed later on uh, into really being not an arrow shooter or a spot shooter, but really at boards uh, in which I was able to, in my younger days, to just consistently, for example, hit the third board off of the, uh, uh, off of the gutter. Today, the conditions are different. I may be shooting at the 15th board, which would be like the third hour, and hook out to the 10th board and come back in. So uh, it's just the game has changed so drastically. But I'm I'm also more of an area shooter. You guys are very technical to us. The average person, and we just get a ball, feels comfortable, and we throw the ball. Oops, I knocked down three. It's It's not too heavy. Very technical. Milton had a question about 10 minutes ago. You want to ask it, Milton? Yeah. Is the 710 split the most difficult, or is there one that's even more difficult than that? I don't think so. What do you think, Jim? Um, Double pinnacle, maybe? What's up? The four, six, seven, ten. I have a guess with me. I'm sorry. This is my daughter marrying it. Talk about bowling. Do you love bowling? I think the four, four, six, seven, ten is. Right. Yeah, that was yeah. Hard, yeah. And one other question: Does a, uh, being a lefty or righty is there any advantage? It used to be for the lefty. Oh, definitely. I think for lefties. Why, why? Why? Yeah, since there are fewer lefties, the lefties there were down as much. But there's definitely a lot. Okay. Yes, there are a lot more. There are a lot less lefties. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else have a question? And then we'll let Jimmy go. Uh, you have another question, Michael? Yeah, I have one. Uh, how much are you into the history of bowling? Because I grew up watching all the great bowlers in the past, like Carmen Salvino and Billy Whalow. And, of course, Don Carter originally was the best, on and on and on and on. And uh, also, I used to watch Make That Spare and Bowling for Dollars. And Fusenko was the announcer. So my question is, uh, as you... In your process of becoming a great bowler, how much were you into bowling history? <laughs> I think, I I think like in all sports, I think you kind of I think all sports kind of share like that. Like the, I mean, you kind of can't. You have to respect the history because there are great bowlers that come before you, and I I I. It's you kind of have to respect it because that, that that's you have to have a level of respect for the game because if when you have success that that that's you're contributing to, I guess I want to say that legacy of bowling as well. So I've gone to tournaments. I've actually bowled with Pete Weber Jr., Walter Ray Williams Jr. Very nice guys, by the way. And so any, I mean. I, you, I think for, for me, I've always just been like that, that. I mean, like for me, it's, it's, I love bowling because I'm, I'm doing it because I'm trying to compete for myself. So with myself, for myself. So it's not about winning against someone else. It's winning because I, I could do that. So history comes up because like, there's like, we're talking about 
all these bowlers and and uh, Daniel, as you were saying about that with the line from the shoulder, I do that too. That's what I teach. I teach my kids, my students that. I teach my daughters that. Well, but, one of the biggest. One of the biggest. Yeah. I just want to interrupt you for a second. One of the Debbie, you could you could attest to this. Uh, Debbie and I, being in in a uh, phys ed class, and a couple of years, they gave us a, a a class to fill fill up our schedule, teaching kids phys ed in a classroom. So not the actual physical. So I remember teaching them how to keep score in bowling, which was a science. But of course, now with everything being automated, oh, yeah, that's being thrown out the window. You you, you, right. you go you ask kids how to keep score in bowling. They said, well, I got to learn how to keep score. It's done automatically. But I remember teaching them yeah. how to keep score. And it was really, what are you talking about? It's a, it's a whole system. What are the math teachers? They don't teach them how to add. All right, Jim, I want to thank you for coming on our show a little bit. We all appreciate your coming on. And you definitely taught us a lot, told us a lot. And our other resident uh, bowlers on the screen, thank you. Uh, it seemed like it was a three-way conversation. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the technical bit of bowling, uh, for me, it goes in one ear out the other. It's amazing that there is a uh, a technical part of the, yeah. of the sport yeah. that we know just to grab a ball, throw it down. Yay, <laughs> I knocked down three. But I'd like to, I like to add, add a comment to, to Mike's question on, on how the game evolved as turning points in the history of bowling. Uh, up to, I would say, the era where Mark Roth came up, uh, it was a finesse game. Of a, you know, Mark Roth made it a power game. And that's, that's what today's game is. And that's well, he spelled the his name with a K. He's not, he, and I think the best he's a, he's a, he's a M-A-R-K. was Earl Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can I say one thing to the road, Mark, uh, for anybody? How yeah. unbelievable was it for Andy Virapapa to throw strikes simultaneously with his left hand and his right hand? It was ambidextrous. It wasn't real. Yeah, it was amazing. The it was a figment of your imagination. <laughs> yeah, we never really right. Could yeah. have been Photoshop, right? Jimmy, thank you a whole lot. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, spending a few minutes thank with us. Bunch of old men here want to here talk to you. And again, thanks. Excuse me, I'm not an old man. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jim. I'm an old lady, but Jimmy, it was nice to see to see you. I know you can't see me. Something's wrong with my computer. So yeah. take care and thank you for your insight oh. yes. and professionalism with bowling. Thank you. Yeah, no, and that's honestly, thank you so much for having me. And honestly, that's just like, that's whether you know about as much of it as I do, or if you just want to go bowling, like I said, that that's. Well, I think you inspired us. I think, you know, COVID being the way it is, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, some of you guys who are with, with the men's club with me, I'm thinking about having a Sunday morning. Uh, that would be fantastic. Gathering, open, maybe in Harold Lane's. Open just bowling. to hang out a little Pine bit, period. talk and do bowling. You never go wrong when you're bowling. Like I said, um, the idea of bowling is still better than, well, other things. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim. Thanks a lot. Thank we'll, you. We'll Thank see you, you guys. soon. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very Thank much, you. Jim. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, so we can continue the rest. I hope that was really cool. You know, I hope you guys enjoy that. And um, why don't we continue with the rest of our show? Um, and we can go right to football. Okay. So 
Um, of course, oh, we yes. had the um, the uh, games last weekend, which resulted in who's playing this weekend. <laughs> right. And I thought the games last week were pretty cool, right? Uh, the Jacksonville Kansas City game. You know, before that game took place, and of course, Kansas City won that game. What was the final score? Twenty-seven twenty. They had a fact. They had a they had a little um, statistic. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, never lost the game on a Saturday. That playoff game was on Saturday. He was three and zero in high school. He was thirty two and zero in college at Clemson, and he was two and zero in the in the NFL. He never lost a game until last week. That was really cool. Uh, Mahomes, they say, will be playing on Sunday with his high ankle sprain. Uh, I was surprised. Maybe a lot of you were surprised with the Buffalo Cincinnati game. What do you think? I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was so surprised. They. Defense doesn't seem to be that good, Buffalo. I think I may have mentioned I was I sorry that I haven't been on a lot lately. I've yeah. you know with professional duties, but I think I made a brief comment. I've been concerned about Buffalo. They haven't really had a running game. Yeah, Allen, I don't think has been a hundred percent for sure. Um, and they just there, there were a lot of uh, there seem to be a lot of flaws, even though they've. Um, even though they had a tremendous winning record. So I'm actually not shocked that Cincinnati beat them because I think they exposed those kinds of flaws, even though Cincinnati's got a Band-Aid offensive line. They still managed to look – and they they destroyed them in Buffalo in the the snow. So I think they have a lot of work to do. (laughs) They had a big distraction also. And uh, it was a a wonderful thing how uh, DeMar survived and, and, and all that. But uh, it was on their mind a lot. And who's to say that that was also affecting yeah. their game? Do you know, did, have you uh, been watching on the Internet? They're saying that he's really dead. <laughs> so is Elvis. That? They said, <laughs> you got to check some of these things on the Internet. They said, when you see him, you really don't see him. Right. That's what they said. Still they're saying so they, 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 for, for a front, they're, they're saying that he's there, but he's really dead. Well, like the Beatles were dead. Back then, with Abbey Road, <laughs> and Elvis is alive. Weird. You know, it's nonsense. I, people need people need publicity, and they need notoriety. So I know, but it'll be. Let's see. So the Bengals Snow. have to go to Arrowhead and and, and play the uh, the Chiefs again, and that's the team they beat last year. So it's a repeat, and the winner goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Philadelphia Giant up. game turned out to be a bust. Turned out to be a bust. No, it wasn't. Uh, what's that? It was not a bust. Well, Philadelphia's a much better team. The Giants were not supposed to go this far this year. So it was really, they they did fine getting to that point. But the Eagles Eagles are legit. They're a good team. They're a good team, that's right. Uh, They're sold on Daniel Daniel Jones, James. They're sold on him to be... That's what he wants to play there, but it's going to be interesting to see the San Francisco uh, Eagles game because some teams look so great, and then they don't they don't look so great when they're playing a better team. So it'll be an interesting thing of whether they win at all. They're only favored, I think, by three points, 
Um, so it should be and, and it may just be, you know, that uh, when you have two better teams play, and this would seem to be happening, is that the better teams are coming together yep. to yep. have the final, the final play. I and hate the Eagles, but they're going to win. I think they'll win, yeah. actually. They, I think they're a better team. I hate them, but they I the think they're going to win. Uh, right. The, um, that game is going to be in, in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. yeah. In Philadelphia. And um, I, I look in that some of their, their top players are hurt. The, the 49ers. Oh, the 49ers. Right. McCaffrey right. and uh, gonna, Mitchell. Harder for them. And uh, Samuel. The three, three stars, they're all hurt. So they're saying they're going to play, but they're hurting. So it you should know, be it, interesting. That's going to... And also, Mark, if they can figure out what to do with, with Jones, they could also figure out what to do with Purdy. You know, uh, I th- I felt the Giants, one of the reasons why they lost was Jones was do a bad game. He was playing like uh, as good as any quarterback who ever played the sport. And also Brock Purdy. I mean, uh, what's a Brock Purdy? And he's also do a bad game. And I agree with everybody. I think the Eagles could really take this game. Yeah, unfortunately. Enjoy the games yeah, right. and we'll see what happens down the line. A couple other notes. Oh, Daniel, do you want to say yeah. something? I, I, I think in the, the, the Giant-Eagles game, I think the Eagles was extremely well coached. And I think that they figured out to the T and the dots, Daniel Jones's cadence. Because the, the defensive line was so was off so quick in beating the offensive line of the Giants. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And it wasn't a lack of creativity necessarily on the Giants' side, but the lack of creativity in, be, in being able to figure out Daniel Jones's cadence. Yeah, but they're just better. They're, they're better. And that's why they were better. They're better. Yeah. 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 Three, beat them three times this year. Joe. Yeah, I want to, you know, every time they showed the Giants receivers trying to get loose, nobody could. I don't think it was Jones's fault this time. He had nobody to throw to. Absolutely. No running game. You agree. The Eagles were just a far better team. And and, uh, Michael said something before about about the Bills. I've I've thought for a long time that the Bills are are a little bit sloppy with the ball sometimes. And that keeps them from being as good as they could be. I don't know if it's arrogance or what, but they, I mean, I can't remember the play a year or two ago where they were on the goal line or something and they just, but that was the fumble, I think, right? When they were on the one yard line or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that Buffalo does. They're just not as well coached as they should be. And I think this guy is McDonough. I think another year or so, you know, if they don't, uh, if they don't really gel and go further, I think he's out. They, they said need a running game. Worst year. They need a running game. Allen can't do it all alone. He's got no. digs. No, no they're in a running game, and it caught with up with them. Yeah, no, he can't do it all alone. It's it's he can't. You're not a one, no matter how good. And, and he's a great game. quarterback. He's yeah, a great he quarterback. But you can't do it. The line. The, the 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 run offense they have nobody who's really stepped up to, to run the ball they they need that next year if they're going to go any further well enjoy the games this weekend we'll see what happens who's going to be in the super bowl that'd be cool and uh, a couple of side notes remember don maynard yeah, yeah that's right yeah. Well, yeah. he he uh he texas boy he died oh, a don. year ago yeah just a year ago he would have been 88 years old okay. 
You know, I can see him still playing. 88 years old, the man would have been uh, this week. Loved him. Yeah, it was a great receiver. Um, Lanky, fast. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Jets hired an offensive coordinator today, Dan, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of him. Right. He was the, the Denver coach who was fired in the middle of the season of his mm-hmm. first season being the coach, which is a rarity uh, being in your first year and they fire you. Was that this year, Mark? Yes, this year. Well, and, they couldn't fire they couldn't fire Russell Wilson. <laughs> so somebody had to take the hit. <laughs> well, they could have waited. Right? Went back over, the coach. You know? He's a former Bills, Packers, and Jaguars offensive coordinator. Now, why does he jump from team to team to team? I don't know. But But that's a strength. Hmm? That's a strength. He's a as an offensive coordinator, he's he's a he's a pro experienced. I think that was a good hire. And then today I was listening. Uh, maybe some of you heard the interview with uh, Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers. Can you see him on the Jets next year? Yes. <laughs> no. He's not going back to the Packers, as far as I know. Just the way Brett Favre came I can to see, the Jets. I can see him going to Miami and teaming up with Tyreek. <clears throat> right? I can see him. You know, Tyreek and Rogers, nice combination. But he was talking with the McAfee. He, he, and listen, he's got Nathaniel Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator years ago with Aaron Rodgers. Michael. Right. Yeah, Mark, how old is, it? How old is Aaron Rodgers? I was going to address that. Because, uh, I saw I saw a uh, email, and the email has tight end for the Jets next year, Tyler Conklin, <laughs> uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore, uh, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, running back Reese Hall, and the quarterback Aaron Rodgers, the potential Jet 2023 offense. And I agree with everybody with uh, Nathaniel Hackett. It might be. Uh, that is, it's because uh, they think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be lured onto the Jets. But I, I saw the beginning beginning of the season in Denver. There was so much promise for Hackett. Uh, he, they really felt that he was going to take the Broncos to the promised land. And of course, in, in Denver, they even have the pregame uh, warmups. They have everything under the sun. They love their football. And uh, Hackett looked a bit like a doofus. He wore a funny hat. And uh, we were we started to wonder as the uh, season started, and of course uh, that was uh, the way the Broncos ended. He he just didn't know how to handle, or something caused Wilson not to be handled right. And he was one of the worst quarterbacks in football. But uh, the the thought is that Hackett might be going to the Jets, and the, I mean uh, Rogers might be going to the Jets because of Hackett. But then on the other side of the coin, when you think of the Jets throughout history. Their poor decision making, and uh, the Hackett that was with the Broncos could also be the Hackett with the Jets, and the Jets continue uh, continue to go down. So who yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah. I read an article. Uh, the, the Jets uh, All Pro rookie cornerback Sauce Gardner, Ahmed Sauce Gardner, uh, who's up for Rookie of the Year. Maybe some of you heard this story. In college, he left after three, went to Cincinnati, University of, uh, he had a 3.5 grade point average and left to, pray, to mm. play pro ball. He never got his degree, but now he went back. Mm. Now this, this season's over. I, I think maybe he'll be around. Is he, is he involved in the, the pro bowl game? 
He's an all he's an all he's all pro, so he's he, yeah, was yeah. Definitely so he may be in that chosen. game, the touch the touch flag football game, but he's going back to school now to get his degree this summer, which I think is cool. Yep. Yeah. And he never gave up a touchdown in college. Mark? Yeah. I I love Aaron Rodgers. He's been one of my favorite players <clears throat> since he began. But as a and as a but as a Jet fan, I'm I, I'm a little I I yeah, me I'm a little hesitant. Not that my boy Matt voice matters. First of all, he is going to be forty years old. Second of all, I would be reluctant to to sacrifice two first round draft picks. The mm-hmm. the Jets really do need. This is a short. It, it does feel a short term need, and I know for many of us who want that instant gratification of finally having the Jets with a decent quarterback and winning, or having the possibility of winning a championship, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that road. That route as much as I love him, I I want the Jets to keep the picks they need. A lot. They need another offensive lineman. They need other other help. Um, yeah. Hopefully, there's another way that they can go that they can go about it, and it will be exciting. But as much as I love Rodgers, I'd be a little hesitant to have him uh, come to the... Hopefully, it wouldn't be like a Brett Favre situation, but... Yeah, exactly. They, they, they did that. Been there, done that. I know that. But, but Michael, would you go with Mike White instead? No. 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 no, no. There, it needs some, yes. some remedy. Needs something. But but the, they're still stuck on, uh, on Zach, on Zach Wilson. So he could sit back and learn from Aaron Rodgers, No. We could tutor him. Yeah, but not 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 the expense of two first rounders. First rounders, I don't think. I don't know. And again, I love him. I I love him. He's been one of my favorite players. Yeah. Oh, ever. I I heard he's going to stay on Jeopardy. (laughs) Yeah, he's good on Jeopardy. Yeah. (laughs) That ship sailed. (laughs) No, his career is in Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk about the. the, the Hall of Fame voting yesterday. Yeah, you know? no, very, very, and you guys were talking about it all day today <coughs> on on your uh, on your um, messaging ex- messaging back and forth. Uh, I'm not a Scott Rowland fan. I'm totally not a Scott Rowland fan. Does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jeff Cass got in there. Todd Helton didn't get in there. But yeah. what a snub on Jeff Ken. They said he's feel his fielding, his defense. It's what's keeping him off the Hall of Fame. What do you think about that? Mike, let me step back one second about football. I saw something very interesting this morning uh, on the CBS morning morning news show. And, you know, one of the commentators on the NFL on CBS is a retired referee from the NFL who uh, he was talking a little bit about his experience of being a referee in Super Bowls and stuff like that. I forgot his name. I just caught like the second half of the of the interview, and I thought it was interesting that CBS would have a retired referee doing commentating on the games. But I don't know his name right now. <laughs> okay. You know? All right. So, you know. so anyway, I just wanted to comment that. All right. Let's go back to the Hall of Fame. So, what do you think? Comment. Now I could talk live to. Yeah. Us. Well, Scott Scott Rowland. He never led the league in anything, okay? (sighs) Yes, he won some gold gloves, but hitting-wise, I think they said his claim to fame was one year he came in fourth place in the MVP vote for the year. 
And that's why Jeff, and, and the other big thing I heard in the news, Jeff Kent actually had more votes than Roland did for the past number of years. And all of a sudden now, the, the writers voted yeah. for Roland. It just didn't make any sense. No. Yep. Kent didn't. should have been in. They're biased, seems like. Well, that's it. It's, it's, it's the writers voting. And we take it as, as, as God, you know. I mean, that's they're, they're the Almighty. They're they're the ones who are putting the these players in this Hall of Fame. But um, I don't know. I, I get really upset. Jeff Kent got forty six and a half percent of the vote in his final ballot. Now he's done, but he'll probably be voted in in the very yeah. down the line. eventually. Eventually, yes. uh, Todd Helton. Yeah, three of three. Played for the Rockies. Played for the Rockies. Got 72.2. Next year he's getting oh, in. Yeah, for, for the Rockies, he's played the most games ever, has their most hits, their most home runs, most RBIs, most runs scored for the for their team. He might not get in next year, though. Adrian Beltre is going to well, be. Well, if they could put more than one person in, Beltre will be a shoe in. Joe mm-hmm. Howard. Should be a shoe in, yeah. but I don't know if they'll hold them back one year. I don't know why they're pushing Chase Utley. Have you been listening to this? Uh, Chase Utley well, is up next year, and everyone is saying he's going to be a shoe in. Yeah. I can't really? believe that. Cannot believe Chase Utley is going to be a shoe in. The other guys up will start next year. There's no way that David Wright, Jose Reyes, no, Bartolo no. Colon, no way. No. no. Way. Adrian no. Gonzalez, he'll get some votes. He's not a Hall of Famer. But who knows? Uh, Mark's got to get in. Mark, I didn't. I didn't really know the the. I didn't have the statistics for Billy Wagner until I actually looked them up, and when I saw that this is a guy with a two point three one ERA, mm-hmm. I think nine hundred innings. He's got well over a thousand strikeouts. His WHIP is one. I mean, those are really those are exceptional numbers. Um, to have a two three one ERA over all the years that he pitched, right. I know it's a relief pitcher, and I know there are other circumstances. But I looked and said, you know what? If this this is the kind of guy where I and I have very, you know, I have very tough right, right. standards. My own belief about the Hall of Fame. Uh, I just found that this vote was unsettling. Sixty eight point one percent. They say his postseason statistics uh, so yeah. are terrible. So are a lot of other people. But a lot that's, of other that's athletes. What, that's, that's one of the reasons they did not mm, vote. Greg Maddox was okay. Was right, great. Right. Look at Andrew Jones, 58.1. Carlos Beltran, they're, they're making a statement. And I'm not, let, I'm not voting you in the first year. He'll get in. You know, that bothers me also, Mark. It bothers me that all of these names that you're discussing, and Manningly is gone. He's out of the contention right now, which yeah. also doesn't make sense. And somebody was alluding to Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax might have been the greatest pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah. But for how many years? Five years? Six That's years? That was it. But immortal. they were immortal years. They were beyond human. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. David Wright's going to have the same problem as Mattingly. Just didn't have it for long enough. No, I don't even right. think his numbers warrant any Hall of Fame, even what he was having. I don't, I don't think David Wright. I'm a Mets fan. Good. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. David Wright's not a Hall of Famer. No, no. Uh, I want to just go on. I know we're watching the time here, but I, I, has I, a, I asked a question. Gerald got a question, then I want to go. I just want to say, Bill, Billy Wagner had the most strikeouts per inning 
than any other player, I believe, in Major League history. He, he averaged roughly, I think, 1.1, yeah. 1.2 uh, strikeouts per inning, and that's the highest on yep. record. And we saw him, being, as, as a Met, we saw him a lot, so yes. we're very proud of him. Roger, yeah. then we're going to go to Stewart. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This was a very dominant closer. Yeah, I mean, forget about the Mets years, the Astro years. I mean, yeah, I, I think he should years. be in the hall. This is a yeah. dominant closer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe down the line. Not a big guy either. Okay, I right. asked uh, Stewart to uh, tell us the, uh, this week's uh, free agent signings. Trades, yeah. What do you got? Tell, we got a few okay. minutes. Give us what you got. All right, uh, starting with the free agents. This was already mentioned, but I'll mention it again. Araldus Chapman... Goes to the Royals for one year, $3.8 million. He previously played for the Reds, Yanks from, for a good part of his career, and uh, the Cubs during the World Series in 2016. Tommy Lastella, second baseman, third baseman, goes to the Mariners for one year, $720,000. He played for the Braves, the A's, and last year he played for the Giants. Chris Paddock, pitcher, Goes to the Minnesota Twins for three years for $12.525 million. He played previously for the Padres and I believe last year the Twins. Nelson Cruz, outfielder, goes to the Padres. Mm -hmm. He's been around a long time. He started his career with the Brewers. He played with the Rays for some years and the Twins. And last year, he played for the Nationals. Rangers, too. Doesn't he Rangers? He's the one that ran, why the Rangers didn't win the so. World Series, remember? I think you're right. I didn't that like that. Never all the teams, but yeah, I just try to get uh, some yeah, of them. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Jesus Aguilar, first baseman, played, play, it was taken, uh, picked up by the Oakland A's one year, $3 million. His previous team's Two were the Marlins and the Orioles. Played for the Orioles last year. Jeffrey Springs, pitcher, picked up by the uh, Tampa Bay Rays for four years, gets $31 million. He also gets incentives, and he had previously played for the Rangers and the Red Sox. He did. I know that. Matt, Matt Barnes, relief pitcher, is released by the Red Sox. He was the longest tenured player designated for assignment. He was the longest tenured player, and he was designated for assignment to make room for Adam Duval on their roster. That's what I'm trying to say. Trades. Michael A. Taylor, outfielder, traded from Minnesota Twins to the Kansas City Royals for two relief pitcher prospects. Luis Areas traded from the Minnesota Twins to the Miami Marlins for Pablo Lopez and two prospects. Areas has a has a 3.314 career batting average over four years and hit 316 last year. Lopez has a 3.94 career ERA over the five years he's played and had an ERA of 3.75 last year. Alberto Mondesi, shortstop, is, was traded from the Royals to the Red Sox for Josh Taylor, relief pitcher. Sandy Leon, catcher, agrees to minor league contract with Rangers. He played for the Guardians and Twins last year. And finally, Cesar Hernandez, second baseman, agrees to minor league deal with Tigers, Detroit Tigers. He played seven years for the Phils and played for the Nationals last year. 
And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. I got a couple of things to add. If you didn't hear this, the Yankees farm, AAA farm team, the, the Scranton, Wilkesbury Rail Riders, they hired, remember Shelly Duncan? Yep. The outfield yep. who played for the Yankees. Okay. He was Cleveland. good in the Rail yeah, Riders. Very good. Yeah, yeah. He's now their manager. It's 43. What was his up. brother's name? Oh, he played brother. for the Cardinals, Shelly Duncan's brother. He had a brother? Yeah. Was it the catcher? I don't know. Could Not you... Mariano Duncan, was it? No. No, no. 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 I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, and a couple of more baseball notes and move on. Uh, since we're all New Yorkers, I think, once I see New Jersey people. <laughs> Uh, the Yankees, former Yankee pitcher David Phelps, remember him? Yep. 36 years old, 15-year career with the Yankees, the Phils, the Marlins, the Mariners, Toronto. Uh, he retired. And Adam Warren, another former Yankee, Cubs, Mariners, Padres, Pirates. Uh, he also retired. The Pirates uh, uh, let go of Miguel Andoha. Remember Miguel Andoha? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't be surprised if he comes back to the Yankees in some capacity. <laughs> they had to make room for him because they 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 signed. Yeah, for the rail riders. McCut McCutcheon. Teach him how to play outfield. Yeah, man. It's not going to work. There's not that many McCutcheon. Yankees reporter Sweeney Murdy has left WFAN oh, really? after yeah. 30 years. Oh yeah. Don't know what else he's going to be. He'll be doing something, but he left WFAN. Oh. And the Mets hired a, a, a uh, they had to replace Wayne Randazzo in the radio right, right. booth. And we thought maybe Michael Pollock could get that shot. Yeah, right. You mentioned that. Right. But they hired uh, a guy named Keith R-A-A-D, Rad. Uh, he was the voice of the single A Brooklyn Cyclones. Can I ask you a question, Stuart, Mark? Go ahead. Stuart, uh, you mentioned Mondesi. Is he right. related to Raul Mondesi? He's his uh, son, I think. Raul Mondesi is one of the least liked players for me because I used to go to Yankee games and he sit right in front. And when Raul Mondesi was in the uh, warm-up circle, instead of concentrating, he was flirting with my daughter. And I got very, very I'm kidding. Wow. Oh, God. To be honest. Hacky. Sal Bando died. Remember Sal Bando? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, 78 with cancer. The captain. Uh, he uh, was like one, you know, during that, the, that 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 era when they all grew much. They were all oh yeah, right. Money when they grew much. Rowan Finger and Catfish Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Asian Brewers, yeah. third baseman, and uh, that's right. He was one of the first with Raleigh Fingers, uh, the weather stash, Catfish three times Hunter. world champion yeah. with Oakland. That's uh, right. And then he went, goes on to the Brewers, and then becomes uh, after his playing career. A member of their front office oh, uh, was a general manager in 91 to 94. He was 78 and passed of cancer. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there because we did a lot of other stuff. There are more stories in other sports, but I want to go to trivia questions. I know you guys have questions and you want to play this game. So why don't we go to trivia questions and uh, let's see how well we do today. All right, let's Michael start with uh, Gerald. And Gerald. Which MLB player post-1920 oh. hit two inside the park home runs in the same game? 
Well, you got to give us the year, or approximate year, decade. <laughs> the decade. Um, I'm going to say 1980s. I don't have the exact year, 1980s. Willie, Willie Wilson. No, and I'll give you a hint. He should be in the Hall of Fame, hands down. 80s or 90s, he was around. Don Mattingly. No. <laughs> I, what league? National. Yeah. National. William McGee? No. Um, Good choice, that. though. Uh, what team? Uh, Philly, I'd say Phillies, maybe another team, but Phillies primarily. His exit velocity on his single was, was greater than the exit velocities on home runs. That's how good he was. Anybody know? That That's not Ty Cobb, is it? No, I'll, gi I'll give you initials. I'll give you, I'll give you initials. R, R, A. Richie Ashburn? No. Richie no. Allen. Richie, Richie Allen. Allen. Richie yeah. Allen. Two inside the Richie Allen, two yes. inside the park yeah. home runs. Yeah. Wow. Yes. He's yeah. another guy reporters didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's right. right. Didn't like. Michael, go ahead, go. Okay. Like January 22nd, 1969, the Houston Astros trade Rusty Staub to the Montreal Expos oh, yeah. for Don Clendenin and Jesus Salou. But Clendenin refused to report to Houston because of a personality con conflict with the team's newly hired skipper who managed him in Pittsburgh. Name him. Danny Murtaugh? I'll give you his nickname. His nickname was The Hat. Harry the Hat Harry Walker. Walker. Harry the Hat Walker. Walker, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anybody else have a question? Yeah, again? Gerald. Okay, Gerald again. Which major league team was the first to throw 1,000 strikeouts in a season? Dodgers. <laughs> Dodgers, very good. 1959, led by Don Drysdale, 242, Koufax, 173, and Pat, and Johnny Pivers, 45. I will say that I hated that year. Yeah. I found this question. I don't know if it's true or not. Who was the last player to have 22 triples, 22 or more triples, in a season. Hmm. And I got to go back to 1949. 49. But I'm going to give you hints all along the way here. He played for Cleveland, but we also know he played with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he was the last one to strike out in Don Lawson's perfect game. Dale Mitchell. Mitchell had 22 triples. It must have been he must have been fast and good back in those he days. He wasn't he wasn't fast what I remember. I don't have any thoughts on him. I don't know anything about him, just that he was the last strikeout. The last That's out. what he'll be known for. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gerald. Who was the first player in MLB history to play an entire season, at least 150 games, and never hit into a double play? <laughs> Rizzuto. No. Oh my God! These what questions. year? Where did you get these questions from? <laughs> I'll give. I'll give you. I'll give you two hints: Detroit Tigers and the initials DM. DM. What year? Nineteen nineties, I guess, Mike. DM. DM. Nineteen nineties, huh? Wow. I'll give you his first name, Dip. <laughs> Dick, Dick M. Was, what position? Uh, I believe second base, if I remember correctly. Dick M. Dick, 
Damn. Huh. Mac. Dick Mac. Yes. No. We had batting stands. Anybody else? Boy, oh boy. I got one. I go ahead. Make sure it's somebody we know. What player holds the career record for being hit by pitches? That's a good question. Korea. Korea. Don Ron Hunt. Ron Hunt. Huey Jennings. Who is it? Huey Jennings. Huey Jennings. Old timer. Never <laughs> heard of him. Never heard of him. I thought Ron Hunt or uh, Don Baylor. Yeah, yeah. What are some of Huey Jennings' other highlights? What else have he? What is? What else is he known for? Is that U H U G H? Yeah. All right, we're gonna look him up later. <laughs> All right. Never heard of him. Never hired a old-timer. What's Babe Ruth's first name? George. George. George, George, George Herman. George. That's right. George yes. Herman Ruth, yeah. Right, where, so did he we... go to, where did he go to school? Baltimore. 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 He, he didn't go to school. He didn't go to school. Right. All right. <laughs> so we all know Cy Young is... Nickname? What nickname was used for the 1970s Cincinnati Reds? Big Red Red Machine. Yes. All right. I have a cool few of them here in the, in the show. We all know that Cy Young has the most wins as a pitcher, 511. Who was two and three? Walter Johnson. Matthewson. Yeah, Walter Johnson was number two at 417. And what about Chris? Matthewson was 373, and he was tied with wow. somebody also at 373. Grover Cleveland Alexander. Yep. That's right. That's right. Well done, Joe. And what That's was good. what was what was his real first name? Pete. 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 Very good. All right, boys. I'm going to call it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's guest. It was great. Uh, good. Little, that was pretty uh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting Something about, different. Yeah. About bowling that we never thought about. Danny, you did you enjoy right. it, Danny? We did it for you. Later this weekend, and you're in the middle of another. Danny's muted. Danny's muted. Muted, Danny. All right, guys. Have a good week. How was anymore? Did you enjoy it? Why do you have to It's the same thing. Oh, didn't tell us where he's going. No, not Danny. Danny muted himself. Okay. Mark, I was very disappointed that nobody sang the bowling song. Forget the bowling song. There is a bowling song. I never heard. All right, Danny, you with us, Danny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we asked you a question. You weren't listening. Did you enjoy the guest? Yeah, of course. Of course. I just wish I'd know where he was going to be bowling next in the tournament. That's all. Okay. We Guys, thanks it. for joining us this week. Have a great Can week. Can I sing the song as we fade to black? You could, you sing, could the sing the song <laughs> as we fade <laughs> to right? black. All right. I know you love this song. O W L. Everybody. I N G. I don't know. Bowling, bowling, bowling. My baby and me. That's all I remember. Take care. Everybody. Bye, guys. I'll Take see you. Have a great Thanks. week. Thanks. 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 Th